The Chef Naz Podcast begins now. Welcome to the Chef Naz Podcast. I'm Joe and I'm your host today. And we are going to be doing an episode today continuing our series called Seven. And we have been looking at different churches in the book of Revelation as Jesus is addressing them. And today we are taking a look at the church of Thyatira in Revelation chapter 2 and finding out what all is going on in that church. And Pastor Rob is here in the studio today to uh, kind of bring us in. Welcome, Pastor Rob. Thank you. Thanks for letting me be here today. Looking uh, forward to it. Of course. You you work here, so anytime <laughs> you want to come in, that would be great. Thank you. Uh, so you've been actually uh, doing double duty, kind of working a little bit down yeah. at Hocking Hills, getting the camp together at the same time that we're, yeah. you're also preparing sermons and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, last week we had a couple of uh, mission teams come down to do some work, and so uh, I kind of got the, uh, the idea of what it's like to be a missionary who has missionary teams or teams come down, and it was just really keeping them busy, keeping them going, but got a lot of work done, doing lots of ton, tons of stuff, got two cabins framed in. And uh, ready to, to start framing two more. The holdup is the trusses, and we're making them out of uh, their beams. They're like gigantic trusses. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be really cool. It'll look like a big lodge. But each be- each truss has nine big three by six oak beams in it. Wow! And in order to tr- bolt them all together with these steel plates, we have to drill 140 holes. Actually, 148 holes in every truss. And then bolt them all together, and making it all line up and everything was a test yeah, from well, the Lord. If, if, if I'm using my battery-powered Ryobi to drill those holes, oh. uh, you're going to blow well, those up pretty quick. And, and the thing is, you have to drill the hole perfectly straight in order to line, get the bolt through the through a plate into the wood and out the other end of the wood and into the plate. Because if it's off a little bit, then the plate's off. Yeah. So it has to be perfectly perpendicular. So we have a little machine that somebody designed for us that we're using for that, but it's still 148 holes. Wow. And it's, yeah. But we're coming along, and we've had a lot of good help down there, and it's nice. going well. All right. So we've been going through uh, these different churches that um, uh, Jesus is addressing in in yeah. Revelation, and we've come up on... Uh, Thyatira. However, you say maybe there's a different way to say this word. Yeah. So I've always I've always said it Thyatira, and on Sunday I said it Thyatira, and we'll continue to say it Thyatira. But I think that there's a different way of pronouncing it. I have a Greek. Uh, I have a Bible study tool on my computer, and one of the things you can do is click on the word and hear it pronounced the way it's supposed to be pronounced. Mm-hmm. But the guy who uh, is pronouncing it is not pronouncing it very clear, so it's hard to really get it perfectly. But it's something like theatra or theatra uh, is kind of how he says it. But I'm like, I'm going Thyatira. Yeah, maybe he was kind of guessing, too. He could have been. <laughs> it's hard to tell. He, he, who knows? All right. Um, well, you want to take a look at the scripture? You would like to set this up a little bit for us? Yeah. So we're this is church number four. And interestingly, as we go um, along this, as Jesus travels this route and he's visiting each of the churches, um, you may notice that they're they're getting progressively worse in the concerns that he has. Mm-hmm. So each church he goes to, he commends them for some things. In this particular church, the commending takes about a sentence, and then he goes on to the concern. Uh, and, and so it's getting progressively worse. And you know, by the time we're at the very end, the last church, I believe Jesus uses the words, you make me sick. 
Um, so something you, you could, don't want to hear, you, right? From Jesus. Don't want to hear that. Yeah. So so we're beginning to see a an, a picture of Jesus who's who's playing a different role than a priest or an encourager. He is beginning to play the role of judge and and really God um, mm-hmm. uh, in some sense. So. Uh, it's interesting. So you'll you'll see it, or you probably heard it in the in the message. And we're going to read the scripture, and then we'll we'll break it up a little bit. All right. So we're going to take a look in Revelation chapter two. And if you're following along, we're starting with verse number eighteen. And I'll do my best to read this. To the angel of the church in Thyatira, write: These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love, and your faith, your service, and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent for her immorality, but she is unwilling." So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations, that one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give the one who the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right, so this is... um, this is pretty serious. Yeah, Tell yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot more deeper. Uh, and interestingly, the the church here in Thyatira is the smallest of the seven churches, but this is also the longest letter that Jesus writes to the churches. Um, so it's. I think it's indicative of the fact that you know look, big problems can exist anywhere, and this church is really dealing with one of them. The 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 kind of the outline that we use have been using is uh, identifying the communicator. And obviously Jesus is the communicator in this letter. Um, and he talks about, uh, he explained, you know, John writes, he says, these are the words of the son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, whose feet are like burnished bronze. And again, every time Jesus introduces himself, there's something in that introduction to the letter that is relevant to the message that he has to deliver to the church. And so the fact that, first of all, Jesus calls himself the son of God, um, and in chapter one, he refers to himself as the son of man. Mm-hmm. The son of man is more along the lines, uh, places an emphasis on Jesus' humility, his suffering, the incarnation that he came to dwell with his people and be with them. But when Jesus introduces himself here as the son of God, it's kind of a switch. He's not, he's not emphasizing his humanity. He's emphasizing his deity because he didn't really come to deal with the church as a priest, you know, an encourager, but as a divine judge. So he's coming in a very different role. And then he says, whose eyes are like blazing fire. And really what this is emphasizing is Jesus is saying is that he, his vision is unhindered. Like he sees everything. There's, there's nothing that Jesus, there's nothing that happens in our life. There's nothing that happens in the church that can be hidden. We, we think we can hide it, you know, and we can hide things from other people pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't hide anything from Jesus. And this is going to be important later because 
he's going to address things that that people in the church think Jesus nobody knows, but he knows, and he's going to deal with them. So nothing, you know, it, it even reminds me of the passage of Scripture in Hebrews says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So we have to give account to him, and he sees it all. And so this is his introduction. And then he says, uh, uh, John says, his feet were like burnished bronze. bronze. Um, and um, this is a depiction of the purity and the holiness of Christ as he tramples his his uh, as he tramples out in purity from the church. And so, even later on in the Revelation, at the end of Revelation chapter nineteen, very very close to the end, there's a passage of scripture where, uh, and we talked a little bit about this last week, where the nations gathered at the end of the millennial reign and to make war against him. And he, out of his mouth comes a sword that destroys the nations. And it says, out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with who, with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. And notice those who overcome are going to rule with an iron scepter. So there's this connection to that. And then he says, he treads the wide wine press of the fury of the wrath of God almighty. In other words, He's, he's walking in the church and he's stamping out, tramping out the impurity because having a pure church is incredibly important. So this introduction really gives us a lot to know about what Jesus is going to be talking about. It's very interesting how he does that. Well, you know, and I guess uh, one of the things that sticks out to me is that, you know, this uh, more stern Jesus that mm-hmm. we're seeing, it's, it's not directed to the unbeliever. It's it's mm-hmm. not directed to the lost sheep. This this is he's speaking to the family. Yeah, and um, you know that's I think pretty consistent um, throughout uh, Scripture. Where yeah. you know you look back uh, even in Jesus uh, on his earthly ministry um, mm-hmm. when he was addressing whether it was the Pharisees or the other religious leaders, you know, he yeah. didn't mince words with them very often. Right. In fact, he was pretty confrontational with them. Yeah. But at the same time, he meets the woman at the well that doesn't have a relationship with him yeah. yet. And, you know, he's very gracious and yeah. he's very uh, gracious to the woman that was going to be stoned. And yeah. so we see yep. how he has a different approach and mm-hmm. maybe even sometimes uh, we're that way with our own kids too, you know, like yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a lot more easy yeah. to be gracious uh, yeah. to my grandkids or to somebody else's kids <laughs> than sometimes yeah. my own. Well, and, and for Jesus, you know, the church is the rep is his representation here. Like we represent the kingdom of God here and he's given us a responsibility to deliver something to this world. And when we don't, and when we get lost in the sin, in the impurity of it all, um, it, it, it affects those who don't know him. And so the responsibility lies on the church to get it right because it's the church's role and responsibility to reach the world. That's the way Jesus organized things. And when the church gets screwed up, then the people who don't know Jesus don't get the message or don't get it right, um, and they lose out. And so he's really upset when the church doesn't do it. So this whole thing is about you're tolerating things you shouldn't tolerate. You're letting things happen that shouldn't happen. And I'm not going to put up with it because this is my plan to reach the world, the lost people too. So it's, yeah, he's not. I was going to say, and this image of Jesus, it, it also, uh, when you were talking about him using the title of the son of God and referring more to 
yeah. his deity. Yeah. Um, you know, when he, when you start seeing this image of, um, you know, even bronze feet and things like that, yeah. I can't help but think back to uh, it harkens pictures that we see maybe described in in the book of Daniel or in Ezekiel or something, yeah. you know, of when sometimes when the heavenly realms are described. Yeah. And I wonder if isn't that part of the reason that he picks this kind of imagery to remind them, hey, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm the same guy from the scripture yeah. um, that, yep. that brought judgment. Yeah. Know? And there's a there's a there's a pretty good connection between Daniel and the Book of Revelation because both of them are prophetic in terms of end time events. Um, and so they there's a section of Daniel that refers to the end time events and the tribulation and the period uh, of the the length of all that. Uh, so yeah, Jesus, there, yeah, and you always see Jesus is the word always complements itself. It never it never contradicts itself. So that's a really cool cool thing that he does. So, um, as we have with some of the uh, the other cities and churches that he's addressing, we kind of talk a little bit about the context. So, yeah. uh, can you give us a little bit about uh, Thyatira yeah. uh, and what it's like? Yeah, the city itself was pretty unimpressive. It was a small city um, out on a plain. Um, it was a military outpost. That was how it was founded. Um, and it, there was no expectation for the military outpost to actually uh, overcome any enemies that were coming in. It was designed to slow down the enemies as they were coming toward Pergamum to give the people in Pergamum a chance to defend themselves. And so if you read through history, every time that you see Thyatira being mentioned, it's because it was having been destroyed or being rebuilt. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> like there's nothing impressive about it. And it wasn't a great religious center either. Like there wasn't like these other cities we've talked about, there were temples to all these gods and everything. There wasn't, there wasn't any of that uh, there as much. Um, it was just a small city annexed by Rome. But the, the challenge in, in Thyatira was that um, it was, it was the guilds and a guild is like a kind of like a labor union. It was a group of workers and in order to have a job, you had to be a part of a guild, and in order, you know, uh, to run own a business, you had to be connected to these guilds. And every one of these guilds had a uh, a god. A god. Um, and each of these guilds worshipped a god and required you to participate in ceremonies and sacrifices and eating meat that was sacrificed. And some of the ceremonies themselves were fairly sexual in nature. Um, so in order to be a part of a guild, you had to um, worship these gods, and this is a problem, obviously, for the Christians. And mm-hmm. so it was, it was a lot of that. So these Christians were faced with the um, option of not being a part of the guild, but then not being able to work or get a job anywhere, or to be a part of the guild, but to be a part of the guild meant to, in some way, uh, compromise your faith in Christ and participate in these worship services and uh, eating. You know they have these banquets and they would sacrifice this meat to the god of the guild or whatever it was, and then they would have to eat it. And this was a command that Jesus had said that God had said, "I don't want you meat, eating meat sacrificed to idols." And then there was a fair amount of sexual immorality connected in all of these worships, these these things as well. So they face this dilemma of, you know, can I, I can't provide for my family, I can't have a job, I can't, I can't do anything unless I'm a part of the guild, and if I'm a part of the guild, then I in some way compromise my 
my faith in in the Lord. And so um, this was the big this was the big issue for Christians there. Um, and then the church itself was very similar to the church in Smyrna and Pergamum, probably founded by um, the ministry of Paul there in Acts chapter 19 when he was you know, preaching and someone probably got saved and went there, set up the church. We don't know a lot about it. Maybe the most famous person in this church was Lydia, um, who was a dealer in fine cloth. Um, and we see her in the book of Acts. Um, she was um, in uh, Philippi mm-hmm. and uh, heard Paul preaching, and she connected with Paul, and uh, God used her to help start some church, do some church right. work. But interestingly enough, she was from Thyatira, which was far from Philippi, but she was there in Philippi representing her business there as well. So she was a believer, and then but she was dealing with this challenge as well. Can I, how can I be, how can I have this job when I have to be a part of the guild and everything? So, so then Paul has some conversation with her in Acts chapter 16. So it's kind of cool to see how that all works out as well. Um, so some people think maybe she was the one to help start the church in Thyatira. Okay. Um, but um, anyway, it wasn't, it wasn't like, a, it wasn't a big church. Uh, we know it was one of the smallest of these seven at least. Um, and so... Yeah, it's a little bit about the city. So it's a little bit different than the others, but nonetheless, people were were faced with some decisions to make in their faith and their business life. let's take a quick break, and when we come back, um, although it's short-lived, he does have a little bit of good news for them, (laughs) and we'll talk about that when we come back. Okay. Coming November 4th is a fall movie night. Bring the whole family for bonfires with hot dogs, s'mores, hay rides, and an outdoor family-friendly movie. Don't forget your blankets or lawn chairs. Invite your friends and neighbors to join us. That's November the 4th at 4 p.m. outside at our Gahanna campus. You can find out about all our upcoming events at shepnaz.org calendar. All right. Uh, well, thank you for sticking around. And we've been talking about the, the church in Thyatira. And um, Jesus has a little bit of good things to say yeah. before he gets on to the bad stuff. So yeah. uh, let's let's hear the good news. Yeah. So there are, there are three groups of people in this letter that Jesus addresses. Um, they're all believers. Um, and the first group is the people uh, in verse 19. He says, I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance and that you are now doing more than you did at first. And so, and that's it. (laughs) That's all there is. But those are good words. thank you for listening today. (laughs) Yeah. But those are good, those are good things. I mean, you know, in, in Ephesus, the people were serving God, but had, were not loving him because his concern was that they'd lost their first love. That wasn't the case here. They, Jesus says, I, I know your love for God and not just for God, but for one another. You like, you love me, you're serving me. And you're you're serving one another by doing that, and he talks about their faith, and and the and the faith that he's talking about here is not necessarily that they believe, but it's that they're faithful, like mm-hmm. they're like I know that you're faithful. Um, it wasn't just that they believed in the right things; they were steadfast, they were dependable, they were reliable, they could be counted on. Like Jesus said, you're you're faithful, um, and so he's encouraging them for that, and then he commends their service. Um, and and the perseverance. So in the midst of the struggles that they were facing, and and while I say that you know there was not widespread religious challenges uh, like they had in the other cities with the temples and everything, this challenge that they faced 
wove a thread through every part of their life because if you don't have a job, you can't, you can't do, what can you do? Right. You know, you can't, you don't have, you can't pay for your, can't pay your taxes. You can't pay your rent or your mortgage. You can't buy food. You know, you can't buy clothes. You can't provide. I mean, so it was, it was a, it was a very far reaching problem. It just wasn't overwhelming like the, the pagan worship in the other cities, but it was not nonetheless one that they had to deal with. And then, uh, so he says, I, I know that your, your service and your perseverance and uh, all of those things as well. And then the other thing that he says was, and I know that you are now doing more than you did at first. So, so Jesus is talking about them. He's like, and you've increased those things. Like you didn't just have them, you've increased them and they're growing, which is always good, right? It's sure. good for us to be, not just to be coasting. There, there was no coasting. They're, they had their foot on the gas. They were they were increasing their love. They were increasing their love for God, for each other, their service. They were making it through um, and making a difference for the kingdom. And Jesus, is like, I I know that. I see that. So so there's a group of people here that are that are doing things that Jesus picked out and said these are good things. I want you to keep doing them. And then he'll readdress these people at the end. Uh, be, after he has some harsh words for the next two groups of people, he'll come mm-hmm. back to these people and say, the things I just said about this group is not true of you, but for you guys, he says, I, you hold on, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> he says, because I'm coming and things are going to change. But but in the midst of their struggles, he's like, I see what you're doing. And the, that word no is oida, like I, I see it all. There's nothing that escapes me. Again, back to the blazing eyes, you know, where he sees everything, not just the bad, but the good as well. Right. And so he sees all that and he's like, you're doing good. Hold on. Uh, and then he like totally switches and says, <laughs> now I got to deal with the other yeah. issue. And I'll, I'll get back to you in a second. But yeah. there's something I have to deal with yeah. first. Yeah. It's like when you're a little kid, you know, and, and your dad's like, I'm dealing with your brother right now, but I'll be back. <laughs> All right. Well, I I think that's the uh, spot for us to leave it for today. Um, Tomorrow, we're going to pick this back up and we're going to hear what he had to say to the second group of people. And um, we hope that you will uh, continue to follow us on the podcast. If you want to reach out to us, you can email podcast at shepnaz.org. Also, be sure to follow the church at our website at shepnaz.org, on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And for Pastor Rob, I'm Joe. Have a great day. This podcast is a production of the Shepherd Church of the Nazarene, Gehenna, Ohio. Email to podcast at shepnaz.org and let us know what you think.